in the end, technical platform teams try to make the lives of the engineers on board easier. So once you ship something, learning starts. The, the difference might come from the confusion of the fact that our users are IT engineers and we are also IT engineers. I think it's, it's a great example of where you can do product discovery and where you can gather people around the table from different angles, different expertise, different backgrounds. If you do a discovery well, it saves you in the lifting. Hey everyone, welcome to the Bol.com Tech Lab podcast. We share our experience with you. Speaking behind the screens of IT and tech in general at Bol.com, the largest e-commerce platform in the Netherlands and Belgium. We are sharing our approach to IT, e-commerce and retail platforms. The hosts of the show, Peter Paul van der Beek and Peter Brouwers. Yeah, welcome back. Welcome back to a new episode of the Bol.com Tech Lab podcast. And if you're interested in product discovery or interested how platform teams can yeah, add loads of value to product teams, this is an episode for you. Yes, indeed. And uh, yeah, to add to that, we have a sequel planned in September about delivery, uh, the delivery part. Uh, but in this episode, we are going to talk about yeah, understanding the user problem. So about discovery and that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, our guests of the show, they, they know everything about it. Um, they know everything about solving user problems for product teams. So time to introduce them, Peter Paul. Yeah, so we have two uh, guests on the show today. Uh, first is uh, Taco Bakker, who's the head of product uh, for a technical platform. Welcome, Taco. Thank you. And then we have Onno Sele, the group product manager, engineering productivity. And yeah, you might recall his appearance uh, from an episode, I think it was almost two years ago, which feels a really long time. It seems like a year ago, so to me at least, yeah. uh, that we did on uh, engineering productivity. So uh, good to have you again, Onno. Time flies indeed, so uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, and to, um, uh, as a short introduction, so I was in a, a meeting with other engineering managers uh, like two, three hours before uh, we were recording this. and. Uh, yeah, there uh, and it was about how we do um, uh, products in uh, in in Bold.com and in the in these product teams. Eh? And some of the engineering managers struggled with some problems because had yeah, quite uh, technical themes. They, they were uh, less as feature teams, terms that I was forbidden to use, but uh, and, and more as let's say supporting or platform teams. Uh, and I said, well, oh, that's interesting because this afternoon I'm going to record a. a uh, uh, a podcast. So they're one of the listeners, uh, of course. Uh, so welcome, guys. Uh, but uh, yeah, besides all the small talk, uh, let's just uh, dive in. Um, yeah, and I think that's good to uh, uh, to set the stage. So there are two parts there. I think uh, you have to talk a little about uh, product discovery, and we have to talk about uh, being a technical platform. Uh, yeah, let's start with the technical platform. Eh? With the technical platform, what are we trying to achieve? What are we? What are the results we're aiming for with the, those teams? Yeah, Peter Paul, uh, I can talk a little bit about that. What you see is that in the end, uh, technical platform teams try to make the lives of the engineers on board come easier. Uh, that's what it comes down to. Uh, and if you look back at, at the history, you see that the technical platform actually comes from IT ops. We used to run the workloads for the teams and we used to be responsible for the operations. But things are changing. Now you see now that we are moving towards our client provider, Google, and that teams take more and more the responsibility for everything that is required for their applications. Uh, with that comes a lot of freedom. So that autonomy of the teams that we encouraged so much within Ball.com that is really also encouraged by us, by the technical platform. We enable them to make it uh, possible for them to do what they want. But then the downside of this is that sometimes it can be a lot of cognitive load because they have to know about everything, about uh, networking, compute, about uh, UIs, about databases, everything. So. What we try to do with the technical platform is make it possible to experiment where they want, but also to make it as easy as possible 
if they just want to deploy, for example, an application. We create the golden parts, the paved parts, where they can just leverage on the power of the cloud without having to be burdened by a lot of cognitive load. So in the end, make the lives of the engineers easier. Okay, and, and for the engineers to have, let's say, an easy life and not have this large cognitive load, what kind of yeah, products are is the technical platform they're working on? I think that uh, Ono can tell a little bit about our programming framework, which is something that is, is known a lot, which is Axel. Ono? Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of making it easy for people, uh, you might think of uh, um, solutions that make it uh, easier. And um, one of our examples is uh, a framework. I think this has been discussed uh, both times in the podcast, uh, Axel. Uh, that's really an application or fr a framework that helps uh, JVM developers to uh, to create uh, uh, workloads like microservices. Um, but on the other end, uh, we also are developing uh, a portal, a developer portal, and that is like an abstraction uh, on top of all the infrastructure that we uh, that we have in uh, within our platform. Yeah, maybe to add to that, huh? so in the end. We try to make it easier to create applications, yeah, but we also make it easy to run workloads. So we bring Kubernetes, we bring uh, something to make it easier to connect pods with Istio. We have databases, but also data science tools like BigQuery. So there's a lot that we have uh, on our plates that together, all combined, create the technical platform. Exactly. Hey, and, and to uh, maybe... Um... Yeah, so so to to how uh, to clarify that, how does the the setup and the way of working differ from uh, let's say a product team that maybe more people are accustomed to it or know better? Oh, that's an interesting question. Uh, and in all honesty, I don't think the setup is that different. Uh, um, the The difference might come from the confusion of the fact that our users are IT engineers and we are also IT engineers. So in a normal product team, you would have a clear distinction between people, for example, responsible for the IT and for the advertising. And those are very different areas of expertise. Here, everybody's from IT. And that kind of is can be confusing in terms of, hey, uh, who's responsible for what? But if you really look at the role descriptions, and uh, if you just go along with the framework that we have, then actually it is quite clear. And we work pretty much the same as the normal product teams. Can you elaborate a bit on that, Taco? What um, you're you're referring to a framework and uh, and some role descriptions? Can you briefly explain what uh, what, yeah, we, sure. what we use in Bold.com? Yeah, sure. Um, what you see, eh, for example, Ono is a group product manager, and uh, he leads a couple of uh, product managers. The product managers will really look at uh, okay, what is the the functionality that the users would require. What is the user journey, eh, the engineering journey, that, and what will we do to facilitate that journey? So they really set out that requirements, eh, and then they will transform that towards uh, a roadmap and, in the end, stories. Um, we also have, for example, uh, they used to call business analysts, but now they are product analysts or product designers. Eh, we also go along with that. That is that we, in the discovery phase, for example, but we will talk about that more later, we will we have roles that we really look, okay, what is exactly the problem that we try to discover? What are we solving for our users? So these are a couple of examples, what we do in the product teams. And in the end, of course, you come to delivery and the engineers are also involved. We do this together. Yeah? And those roles are pretty much the same as you would see in a product team in, for example, advertising. Yeah, and I think to add to that, so there are similarities and differences. So one of the main differences is that platform teams are uh, serving internal customers, yeah, our fellow uh, engineers, our colleagues, uh, literally. Um, so doing all kinds of user research um, uh, and data gathering, that's relatively easy, but at the same time, um, those product teams and engineers and people around those product teams know what they, what they need, right? So you're building a solution and you need a database. So uh, requesting the platform teams to 
just uh, yeah, provide them uh, access to a database is what you uh, get. But um, yeah. on the other hand, platform teams are also very knowledgeable, like uh, Taco mentioned, around uh, data storage in a broader sense. So is uh, database A better than database B? Or do we need a NoSQL database or something other fancy? Okay, and you also have kind of a, a user experience role, I think, in the in this group, right? At least I recognize that in the when you're looking at the product teams, they they look what the end customer will need to to get this experience. You have the same role as well in your product. Yeah, I think Taco mentioned already uh, the role of a product designer. So that's okay. That's the yeah. That's okay. Yeah, I'm still getting used to the the naming as well. So that's the product yeah, designer. That, that, yeah, yeah, clear. Uh, yeah. That's okay, yeah, but it's, it's yeah. all this whole movement around the product lab to come up with some new terms. Yeah. And like uh, we agreed up front, we avoid the term feature uh, team. That's the forbidden word of the team of the of the show. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, right? What what is it really about? Um, and understanding these user problems um, is one thing. So uh, you also see it with product teams that are working on backend uh, solutions. And so there is no user interface. But there is user interaction, uh, mainly the API. Exactly. So even then you need so-called product designers to understand uh, more about the behavior. So if people interact with an API, and that's something we often see also with, uh, with platform teams building APIs, how does that happen? Is it easy? Can people interact? Are we talking about a CLI uh, or an API? And I'm dropping some words, but just for fun. <laughs> yeah, and to, to add to that a little, I think that but especially if you talk about user experience, then uh, yeah, let's say an endpoint, whether it's in a CLI or an API or in a whatever, it's never just an API. It's part of a workflow or some process that someone has to do. You also have to look into those because also for our, let's say more front end applications, let's say for, for example, for the retailers on a platform, it's not just that screen that they use to, I don't know, uh, keep track of their uh, stock levels be because for them it's also part of what they do on a daily basis and that's not just looking at that screen and the same goes for the uh, whether it's a rest endpoint or CLI that you have to it's it's part of something and the less friction there is the better it is at least that's what I tend to believe yeah definitely and I think then you lean towards something that's uh, also mentioned before like cognitive load and uh, context switching all those uh, things um yeah because like uh, emphasized in the cncf uh, landscape there's a whole lot of tools available for uh, devops teams um and of course a lot of companies uh, adopt those uh, those tools and yeah? you end up with a tool chain but connecting these pieces together is uh, something where you hit the user experience or the UX of a platform. Uh, one of the things that we start about, yeah, let's say teams in the technical platform is that we think that there are some differences. And until now we mentioned a lot of similarities uh, and, and like one uh, different aspect, and that's that, let's say the users or the consumers are mostly software engineers as, as well. Are there other differences that, that really stand out and make the role of a technical patent firm different from other product teams? Well, uh, I think the most important things have been mentioned, right? So we are uh, IT engineers, eh? and uh, what you see is that we tend to think in technical solutions. So we are technology driven, and um, the the difference is that we uh, are falling a little bit sooner in the in the trap that we bring cool cool technology instead of something that brings value to a work process. Uh, and uh, we are trying constantly trying to be aware of that that we don't fall into that uh, that pit. But uh, in the end, um, yeah, that's a difference. And like Ono said, the internal customers, uh, not really external, but we. Really, uh, sometimes we don't see exactly the customer value for the bull.com customer. Uh, that is something making a bit further away from the business, makes it a bit harder. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the, the main differences, I guess. Uh, and a little bit less focus on, I think, the, the UI. Yeah? So 
in the end for the bold.com if you are really focused on the the, the the app or the website then it should be spot on like hey uh, pixel perfect you would say uh, of course we also tend to look at the ui it should be logical eh? but i don't think we are managing it to be pixel perfect you're aiming for a specific level but uh, yeah that the it's a difference you can no, understand okay. yeah. Yeah. Hey, with, uh, with this introduction of product-led, uh, we were having this back-to-school program, so we were learning what product-led entails, and in one of those sessions it was explained uh, for the product teams that, that that you are not a customer, so you have to reach out to the customer to to find out what, what the customer wants. And that is the same for you, but I, I think it's a real pitfall because you're an engineer as well, so you, it's, it's really easy to think as an engineer, right? Yeah, we think we we uh, we sometimes think uh, that we know, right? We assume we assume that we know how it works because we do it ourselves. So we assume that we know what the problems are, how they work, and how they can we can make their lives better. Uh, uh, but we shouldn't assume, uh, and we shouldn't even ask them. Uh, but we should look and observe. Uh, Product led is all about observing what people are doing, uh, and then trying to see okay how does that stream actually work and what are the let's say in the, the things that do not go as smooth as fast or as good as we want them to uh, yeah. try to find those and also try to find the common ground uh, because you don't want to go for just one user you want to see that you bring solutions for the broader crowd uh, and these are definitely a couple of the the things that we continuously try to improve. Eh? Uh, we are not going to say that we are already perfect in that, but we're talking to users uh, and we also want to see a bigger picture because also eh, uh, we used to be pretty ticket driven, right? So if you have something for TPS, then make a ticket eh? and, and we have a support desk, you make a ticket and then we will reply in some way. So that's very micromanaged. But if you just do all those micromanaged kind of stuff, you kind of miss the holistic picture in that. Uh, so also there, product discovery is very important. We have to connect the dots and really observe what the user is doing. Perfect. Paul, I it's, think we're already sliding into the, the, the next yeah. part, right? With product discovery. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Taco is making a perfect bridge to the product discoveries. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. Huh? But I think it's good to take a, a small step back and uh, and talk a little about what we're trying to achieve during product discovery. What what What's the thing that we're looking for in that phase? Ultimately, I would really summarize it as understanding the user problem, right? And I, a problem is a bit a big word, but you can call it a problem, a challenge, an opportunity. Um, but ultimately, it's understanding this uh, this problem space. Yeah, so a bit to what Taco mentioned, uh, our, our colleagues, users, customers want something from uh, from our platform. Um, but what is the real ask behind it? And uh, we apply techniques like inter user interviews, uh, but also uh, gathering other forms uh, other forms of uh, data gathering to understand uh, more about their needs. Yeah, um, uh, oh no, uh, that uh, uh, I've been doing lean in the past, and what we learned there is that you have to describe the problem very clearly, uh, very distinctly, but also you have to uh, understand if you really have a problem. Uh, so you assume you have a problem, but it's also good to understand how big is the problem. Is it actually is it actually a problem? Yeah, that's exactly uh, what you often see. Yeah? So people come with a solution. I want this, uh, and you start asking questions. And uh, by the way, uh, involve the right people because if you have a, a talk between two people and they start talking about solutions and problems, and uh, every person is biased. So make sure that that your team is involved. Make sure that other people that have a stake uh, in that, uh, be it from uh, from a product team or be it from a leadership, that they are involved uh, and that all all things get uh, get on the table that you really grasp the the, yeah, the problem and and to to get that good overview on what 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 roles should typically be there in in discussions uh, uh, for for these teams and, and finding whether we have a problem and where we can find a solution for it 
Yeah, so typically um, that's a product manager. And I'm adopting now a bit of the new term terminology that we are introducing within uh, Bold.com. And so it's definitely the product manager, but also the product uh, analyst, um, but potentially also the product designer. And not to forget about the team, because um, if you want to really have an empowered team, be it an empowered product team or an empowered platform team, they need to be on board with understanding that uh, problem before you can start thinking about solutions. Yeah. But it's also, I'm thinking about it, you're also um, kind of raising the, the, the engineers you're working for because they come to you and say, hey, I need this, right? I, I don't want to talk about the problem. I, I know I, I need this solution, right? So how, yeah, how do you do that? Yeah, so that's uh, that's a bit of the, um, the thing with internal customers, right? So they know pretty much what solution they they want. That's uh, or they think they know, right? Yeah. They, they think they, they yeah. need indeed. Yeah, so that's definitely a challenge. So I don't want to put that uh, under the carpet, um, but still, like having all the people on the table, and I'm not not making this uh, too big in the sense that you always for every single challenge need a whole bunch of people in the room. Uh, to figure out and understand the problem, and sometimes it's definitely easier. Uh, but uh, by the book, uh, taking a group of people and understanding that uh, together uh, helps uh, helps best. But that always uh, so that it, it's also with other products in the market that you buy, for example, at Bold.com. And so usually customers don't know what they want, don't know what they need. And I would make it to the extent that also our Fellow engineers don't know exactly per se what they need. Yeah, um, we have a lot of people at Bold.com and a lot of teams with similar problems, but uh, understanding like what the masses need and the big majority need needs, yeah, then building a solution for that is uh, maybe a better option than building a solution for just one team. Yeah, maybe I can give an example uh, to make it a bit uh, extra clarified. Uh, for example, we sometimes get, uh, get uh, a request like, hey, uh, we need our own Kubernetes cluster. Uh, and uh, yeah, of course, we can, do, we can try to do that, uh, but we always want to understand, but what are you trying to achieve? Uh, um, uh, what do you miss uh, that we already offer that you cannot run your workloads? Uh, because uh, maybe we can give you a better alternative, uh, something that will yeah, satisfy your needs better than what you're currently requesting by saying, hey, we need, for example, uh, uh, a Kubernetes cluster. Maybe it's not efficient or maybe it's not even as fast as you want. So what are you actually trying to run? Uh, and what would be the best solution there that we can offer on the platform to make it what you want it to be? Uh, so if we ask those questions and try to make it outcome-based, the end result can still be that they get a Kubernetes cluster. But we also add to that whole epic, why are we doing this? So that everybody understands where we're working towards. And that sounds like we're using different techniques to find the need be behind the question or the real question or the real demand behind the question like that. And that, but that we're also making an additional effort to document the why of things, the why of decisions and, and things like that. Is that a, uh, a correct uh, summary? Absolutely. And I think Ono can elaborate more, but we have a, a clear system um, which uh, I can elaborate a little bit on. Everything that users request, but also everything that we do, we put in a funnel. Uh, and everything is also clearly documented. Uh, what the reach, for example, is. We, we, we measure it, what the impact is, what the, our confidence level is. If we do that, that it brings the effect that we want and roughly the effort. Um, so we, we document everything in that uh, ticket, if you call, or EPIC. Uh, everything is, is transparent for everybody. This is what we are working on, and this is the value that we think it will bring. So anybody can challenge us as well on that. Uh, so it's not like, hey, we assume that we have to do this, we might, but we put it in our funnel, we make it clear to everybody, we think that this will bring this value. 
And if you think you disagree with that, or you think something else is more important, you can challenge us on that. Yeah, and I think uh, you already invited me to elaborate, so let me do that indeed. So, Peter Paul, I think you touched upon tactics or uh, methods uh, to do this, right? And we haven't uh, spoken the word of double diamond, triple diamond, or uh, hypothesis, prioritization, canvas, or any other opportunity solution tree. Any, I can drop a lot more, but in the end, it, yeah, it's up to the team itself and, and people around it to choose their way of uh, discovery. Yeah, so if you want to indeed do uh, user interviews or you want to just look at data and you want to organize some workshops uh, that uh, lean towards uh, a double diamond uh, process. Yeah, uh, that's up to up to the team to choose their uh, technique. Can I, can I go back one one step? Uh, you were talking about uh, together with uh, with uh, the users, in this case, the, the engineers here sitting together and uh, trying to discover uh, what problem are we solving in here. Uh, but then before we really start building some, some building blocks in the technical platform, we have to find out, okay, uh, how many teams will use this? How uh, how beneficial is this for the whole of Bull.com? That's, that's also part of the discovery phase, or how do you go in that? Yeah, so we... Uh, try to really early on put a stamp on it and uh, we use the the rise uh, way of prioritization and so there are lots more but uh, we felt that uh, rise helps us uh, on prioritization uh, the r from reach is one of those uh, attributes uh, to it so we indeed uh, already start asking up front okay how many teams can benefit from this uh, functionality or this solution um, so yes, that, that is definitely something we take into account. Um, of course, once you transition to all, all the stages and you get to delivery, more about it in, that, uh, in the later uh, podcast, uh, but then you start uh, validating, right? So if you have built something, uh, call it an MVP or a beta or whatever, something small, some product increment, and you can figure out if this really solves your issue. And, and indeed, if that's the solution for already that many teams, right? Yeah. yeah. Can you say something in general, uh, the number of uh, product teams you're working for and uh, say, OK, how many teams should be in effort using a, a product uh, which is um, helpful for the technical platform to work on? Can you? Well, to, to, at first, I think Ronald also has an opinion on that. Uh, I think that uh, in general, uh, it, it doesn't make sense to build something for one team. Uh, uh, but Fair I enough. think yeah. it also highly depends uh, on uh, what value in the end. Uh, so if it would be only one team, but it would be critical for Bull.com, we might still do it. Uh, so it's a bit dangerous to just put a number on it. Like you have to have at least five teams, otherwise we don't do anything. Uh. We try to make a balanced uh, decision. But yeah. uh, obviously, we try to, to try for standardization uh, and really help <laughs> as many teams as we can. So indeed, uh, uh, having a reach of one team is uh, not beneficial normally, uh, but it's not necessarily always the knockout. Yeah, so that, that rise uh, methodology or, or prioritization framework comes also with the other uh, letters. So uh, the I is for impact. Yeah, so something, uh, think of security or compliance, it might have a huge impact. So there could be circumstances where there's uh, a couple of teams, but not so many, that yeah. still uh, could benefit from some functionality that, uh, that will help them be more compliant or more secure, and therefore also benefit the business as a whole. Okay. Yeah, we already made the move to uh, to documentation. You uh, you explained the funnel and uh, how uh, that we're documenting the why. So that's also interesting. So later on, you can uh, recheck and uh, why why did we start using this or doing this? Yeah, yeah it it comes with a learn phase. Eh? So if you look at our funnel, eh, it's in Jira. Uh, it has these lanes, and we always put it uh, in the end. We put it in the learn, even if we don't uh, are not successful or not successful. If, for example, the discovery says, hey, we shouldn't do it, we shouldn't build it, then it still goes to learn. Because we always want to learn from uh, whatever we have in that funnel. 
Uh, so there should always be a feedback cycle in it, uh, and it should always be transparent. But the documentation in that indeed is uh, is extremely important to us. And I think also this this documentation helps us ultimately uh, to track our decisions. Uh, I think what what we haven't mentioned so much is that after understanding the problem, you get to ideate, right? So what how can we solve this problem? But also documenting what options were on the table uh, is very beneficial. Um, and because one option may cost you a lot more uh, in terms of uh, uh, time investment uh, effort. Well, another option uh, may be a, a quick win in the sense of, uh, okay, if we do this, then, then we know very quickly if this will uh, solve uh, the use problem. Yeah. And I can imagine that you have to uh, stay in contact with, uh, with in, in our case, the Google platform, because they are also delivering new stuff continuously, right? So so you have to be aware of what, what, yeah, what, what they are delivering and what their roadmap is to say, okay, yeah, we can jump on that uh, bus or not yet, or we should go for another solution. Huh. That's no, an interesting uh, dependency you have. Yeah, it's uh, and it's an important one. Eh? So when we chose for Google Cloud, we did that as Bol.com because we want to leverage on the power and innovation power of Google. Uh, so if we cannot, let's say, enable that new functionality, that innovation power quickly, then we actually are not really succeeding as a platform, right? So it is very important to us that we make it not only easy, but also fast. And if there's benefits for Bold.com to use new technology that Google is offering in the cloud, we should enable that as soon as possible. So that's really one of the things that's driving us. Yeah. I think we we had a, we wanted to spend some time on that part as well. Uh, how to keep uh, the good pace in in that sense? Uh, we're uh, uh, as an engineer in in the product yeah. in the product team, I want a solution now because I want to use it tomorrow in production. But how do you do that? Uh... There are a couple of things, uh, and uh, uh, I will start. Um, I think Ono already kind of gave it away. We have to slice it. Uh, so uh, the important thing is don't try to eat the elephant all at once. Uh, it's, a, it's, again, a common pitfall. Uh, but uh, the really tough thing is to slice it in a way that it brings a lot of value. It can be built quickly as an MVP. Uh, and you can get that feedback cycle in place. So if users see progress, even if it's a mock-up, uh, then at least they feel like the problem is worked on. If you are a, a submarine that says, uh, I'm going to work on your problem, you uh, dive under, and a couple of months later you come back, they might have forgotten all about you. So stay in contact, I think is very important, and try to make those small iterations that as our Scrum has taught us, to, to really see if the feedback cycle huh, proves, for example, that your hypothesis, uh, the fact that hey, your assumption that you think this is going to solve the problem can actually be validated. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that's also why we have been looking at our technology stack uh, over the past uh, few years, uh, because it's all about standardization. We are a big company, we are, we are responsible, we need to take care of security compliance uh, that I mentioned before. Um, but at the same time, there's the, the drive to experiment. Uh, should I mention AI? <laughs> then we need to really uh, be yeah. fast and be respon uh, responsive uh, to, to uh, developments in the, in the industry. And that's definitely where our uh, cloud provi provider uh, yeah, provides us a lot of value, but only if we put our sauce on it. Uh, and that, that's also where like thinnest viable platform comes from. Don't make a big, huge abstraction, but really try to build a minimal uh, layer on top of, of what your cloud provider uh, does while enforcing policies, while enforcing compliance rules and, and security rules and best practices, by the way. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the that's the tension, right? Uh, you have to deliver fast for the teams, but it should be uh, yeah, touching all those those items you're just mentioning. Uh, plus, it should be maintainable for the platform space as well. And that's uh, also important. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Uh, uh, again, huh, we're talking a lot about pitfalls. One of the pitfalls is that you can easily deliver something quickly, but then it will create a lot of uh, toil, uh, uh, technical burden, uh, technical debt in the end. 
to maintain it. And you really want to think upfront about that. Uh, so uh, not go too fast, uh, although it might for, for business be like, oh yeah, great, uh, we can already do this. Uh, uh, if it burdens you in the end, uh, it will haunt you for years, so to say. And, and we have seen that many, many times. Uh, so we really, that's, that's also why we always want to do the, the, the discovery part before we do delivery. Uh, it's really yeah, important. So exactly. To, yeah, is, is this discussion about maintainability, is this in the discovery phase or is it something you, you don't do then because it will uh, mislead you maybe and you do it only in delivery phase? How, how are you yeah, looking at it? It's the whole cycle, like uh, Taco mentioned, lean already, yeah, which contains the learn uh, part. So once you ship something, learning starts. And if it turns out that it's hard to maintain or in other ways costly uh, with low product health, yeah, it needs fixing. So it, it, it's, it's an incremental, not linear process that we're talking about, really. But I think ultimately it's about if you do discovery well, it saves you in delivery because, yeah, you end up building less. Yeah, because you're building the right stuff, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so maybe processing also... Paper yeah. power. <laughs> Sorry. I just, no, no, I'm, I'm, you know, so, so uh, well, during the discussion, I'm going over some of the things in the past where I think some of these factors, in, at least in my product teams, we haven't taken some of these into account and that we're still... Uh, yeah, basically uh, mitigating some of the things that uh, yeah we haven't taken into account at some parts, and uh, yeah, that always costs uh, quite some time to yeah maintain stuff there. Then that uh, and then yeah, in the end that goes uh, yeah th th that time spent is not going into yeah bringing let's say more real values to the customers of the team. I'm, so all kinds of uh, some examples of those were were crossing my mind. Um, yeah. And sometimes also it's, it's especially with the speed of development in in our uh, yeah let's say in our work field, uh, it's some sometimes really hard to um, yeah mitigate these. Yeah? So I've I've teams as we talked about in the previous uh, episode that. That at some point in time, MongoDB seemed a, an excellent solution uh, for, for 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 the things the team was building. But now with the move to the cloud, yeah. doesn't fit that easily. And and then how to get there? And so uh, same with some of the uh, frameworks uh, that that we used uh, for other stuff that that. Uh, that we used to yeah, run some open source stuff that, that are real good solutions uh, that back like five years ago weren't available in the cloud, but that we would have like a real good solid uh, cloud alternative for nowadays. Yeah, but now how to move to there? Or do you keep the keep spending the extra work on basically having the additional run responsibility for these open source things? And yeah, so. We recognize it's that. Sometimes Re really hard to look like three or five years. Uh, <laughs> oh, you found crystal balls, right? But uh, I don't think you can. And we have the same problems, uh, Peter Paul. So uh, we also try to choose uh, what we think is best. And sometimes we have to build something because the cloud doesn't deliver it yet, or maybe never. Sometimes we choose for something and then it's suddenly deprecated. Uh, so. Yeah, you can't uh, beat it all. Uh, sometimes you just have to face it. And then indeed it is uh, a kind of a balance out like, hey, do we need to replace it or will we maintain it? Uh, what is the benefit again? Uh, um, yeah, it's, uh, I guess, part of our lives as IT. Yeah, so discovery phase is really important, but this whole life cycle uh, is, is maybe even more important to be aware of, right? That uh, it, yeah. it doesn't stop after uh, you delivered it. No, the saying. only thing yeah. you can try to do is, uh, like Ola already explained, uh, keep it finished viable, keep it as out of the box as possible, uh, because we know for sure that if we build something ball specific, 
it will definitely uh, at some point be a problem. Uh, um, hopefully, uh, if we keep it out of the box, uh, migrations will be easier. Uh, or you yeah. can easily switch to other solutions. And still, the half eye looking at the, the the questions we prepared, but the poll you're doing probably the same. Um, Let's do it the other way around, uh, Peter. For just ask uh, Taco and Otto, which topics should we really still address in this uh, in this episode? Because I think we've we've touched upon the most things, but it's not my field of expertise, so I'm not 100 uh, percent sure. Of course, I I want to address one topic, uh, and and we briefly touched it. Um, that is uh, compliance and security, because um, what you see is that. Um, we face, uh, now that we are growing as a company, we become more important to Ahold, our mother company, that security and compliance becomes more and more important, but it also becomes more and more of a burden. Uh, we have the ITCO system, and they seem to be spreading like uh, mushrooms. Um, so sometimes you wonder like, hey, uh, what, what can we do? Uh, and, and we as the technical platform feel that we have an important responsibility there. Uh, which will not be easy, but we do think that um, we can help with standard solutions and out-of-the-box compliance really make the lives of engineers easier, which is in our mission. Uh, um, so I think that uh, looking at all kinds of things eh, where you really see like, hey, is it possible, for example, to create a sort of uh, paved golden path where controls are already built in. So you know you have, for example, the evidence is automatically collected and you have it available so that if you have an audit, it's very easy, it will be there. Yeah? And you don't have to do it afterwards. So the strong point of a platform is that it can silently collect evidence and maybe even automatically close it goes um, instead of teams having to do that manually and then collecting the data themselves, which is very toil and manual uh, intensive uh, and isn't really helping them. I think a lot of energy and time is wasted uh, basically on trying to collect evidence of things that we know went well, but we can't prove, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, proving is now more and more important. And I think that uh, we as technical platform can play a role there. So the so the, uh, the the product team stays responsible, right, for their for their product. So also for their uh, IT controls uh, they they have in there, but you know uh, how to uh, to deal with them, um, and and you're trying to automate them, so it's not the burden anymore for the team. So that's uh, that would be indeed a nice step forward. I would um, really yeah. love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, no, no, so so. A tangible example is that uh, a lot of our product teams uh, use for uh, a tool to generate uh, basically YAMLs to run stuff in the cloud or startup machines in the cloud. If you use the GUI uh, for that that's provided, then basically the changes of these uh, changes that you're making in the GUI, they don't end up in version control at this mm -hmm. point in time. Yeah. So, but that's something that we really love because it would, if, you, if it ends up in version control, then we would be, it would be really uh, easy to to show what we've did. And if it's not in version control, then there has to be a manual process where an engineer or an engineer manager has to explain what happened, why it happened, and that it was uh, of low risk and stuff like that. That these are the cases we are talking about. And Ola knows the case. I can see it with his face. <laughs> and this is unfortunately can't, but it's not. Uh, um, uh, but sometimes there. Uh, a little harder to uh, to fix than at than it appears at first sight. That's also what I see uh, from some of the conversations we had on similar topics. I think it's it's a great example of where you can do product discovery and where you can gather people around the table uh, from different angles, different expertise, different backgrounds uh, before they start uh, calling for JitOps, uh, as you mentioned, or, or other <laughs> solutions. <laughs> yeah, having all the expertise could give you that list of solutions and, uh, and ultimately build uh, something that solves the problem. 
Hey, we, we started this episode with uh, explaining why we are doing this product discovery. Um, you also said that uh, we, we want to uh, build, uh, spend the time on building the right stuff. Don't waste time on, on other stuff. Uh, it's a process we are in and uh, we're in the transition phase to it, to this way of working. Can we already see that we are improving, that we're saving time and that we are going faster? And do we measure that? Hmm, quite some questions, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah, I have one example. I think in our developer portal, we have a uh, functionality that uh, can be referred to as global search. So we search uh, different uh, documentation uh, uh, repositories. Uh, we search uh, some other systems. We search for people, teams, and that kind of stuff. Uh, building a search is not maybe the most challenging thing, right? So um, we started off with just out of the box enabling search. But then looking at the results, they were very much intertwined. It was not so finding uh, what you were looking for in the results uh, was difficult. Yeah. So, but by delivering search, we found out that that was not. It, it was super performing. It was better than before. But another problem was introduced. The search were were not easy to grasp. Uh, so we started now creating a new solution. But before creating a solution, we actually created some mocks. Uh, mockups, and so we, we we are presenting those to the audience, to our customers, and just asking them, okay, what what do you think works best for you? And that's uh, we have established a community on our uh, Slack channel, and we're just raising the question, what do you, what works better for you, A or B? Uh, and uh, yeah, then you get to some uh, offline A/B testing almost, uh, variant testing, and we can uh, from there choose what to build. Yeah, that's fine. Add to that, Peter. Uh, um, we have uh, thought a lot about uh, key results, uh, measurements, uh, how to measure the basically the improvements, uh, 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 qualitatively and quantitatively. Uh, uh, so uh, quantitatively, um, it's pretty hard. Uh, uh, so, for example, we were looking at uh, there's a measurement about uh, newcomers. How fast can they uh, bring? Uh, commitments, uh, make uh, commits. Uh, uh, I think there's a tent commitment kind of uh, measurement that is in the market uh, out there. We also look at how fast can we bring new Google functionality uh, available to our users. Uh, um, in the end, of course, we would like to see something about productivity or maybe even an impact on the DORA metrics, for example. Uh, uh, I don't think we are there yet, uh, but it would be amazing to see the impact that we're making. At least what we try to do eh, is, uh, I've talked uh, already a lot about the funnel. It's called a funnel for a reason. Eh? It means that we also do not do things. Eh? We do the things that bring the most impact. We, we measure that eh? and we learn from that. We have to believe at least, eh? uh, that's our strong belief, that by doing this, eh, prioritizing on things that make the most impact, we will have that impact on the user community. Uh, if this is really true, uh, yeah, they can tell us, yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's only the data, right? We are data-driven company. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's what you say in the funnel. In the funnel, you can see um, um, uh, if you become predictable, uh, and and you be uh, it, it's uh, you're managing the expectations with the funnel. So, uh, and if that's really working out, then I think you're uh, you're uh, yeah, we're on the right path uh, in in that sense. And indeed, measuring the um, the productivity of the platform engineers is really hard because that's uh, yeah so many aspects that are involved. So uh, I can assume that that's really difficult. Okay, um, but I like the, the the way of doing uh, offline A/B testing. So you said, oh no, that that's an interesting one. It's quite Yeah, <laughs> I bet Paul. Uh, looking at the time, do you have uh, questions left? I think it's time. I think, uh, yeah, but I think uh, the, the good thing is that, that you already mentioned that there will be a next episode more on the delivery. So let's go, let's go to that one uh, uh, later on and, and now uh, go for our uh, closing round. And that's uh, basically asking our guys, yeah, what's your most important takeaway? What do you really want the listeners to uh, remember after, after having listened to this podcast? Yeah, I think I would say uh, this whole thing of product Delivery and product discovery is not a linear uh, process. 
think uh, that's also something that became apparent in this uh, episode there. So we went really a bit back and forth. That was not because there was no structure in this episode, because it's just a fact of life, right? So if you discover something, you try it out and you go back and you learn. Nice that you used the episode as an example for it. <laughs> Great. Yeah, you, you can tell the listeners later what you were testing. <laughs> we had a structure. We were just learning. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's a nice one. I think that uh, uh, I hope uh, I, I hope that that uh, it came across that the technical platform is there for the engineers, right? And uh, we really want the involvement of the engineers. Uh, that doesn't mean that we can talk to everybody. We have liaisons, uh, but we really encourage everybody to to explain to us, to tell us what they need. Uh, this is really important to us. We will reach out. Uh, you can reach out to us. Uh, we can only make your life easier if you explain us what your problems are. Uh, uh, like Peter Paul explained with his uh, his uh, ITCO that he has to do uh, very uh, intensively proving that it was all done right, right? Uh, make it uh, a part of a uh, inverse control. Uh, by understanding these problems, uh, and this is what we do, uh, by the way, uh, but by understanding these problems, we can do something about it. And we have an instrument, the funnel, to really make sure that we do the right things right. Yeah. Uh, and I hope that uh, that uh, this is the most important takeaway of, uh, for me at least, of this talk. Nice. So, and I think it was a kind of um, request for the people in Bold.com. Just reach out to the technical platform space and talk about the problems they have in their development work. And for people outside Bold.com, yeah, if you hear this and you think, hey, this might be something for our platform team as well, yeah, let them listen to this episode and um, you know what can happen. Uh, become product led in your platform as well. So I think it was uh, gave some good insights. First step right now, it's it kind of the discovery step. So um, becoming really curious to, uh, to the to the next guests in the in the next show. Uh, maybe not the next show. Maybe there are some in between. But we will talk about delivery uh, later on and then uh, get back to you. So thanks for your time, uh, gentlemen, and sharing this with us. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you liked the episode, check some of the others. Go to Spotify or iTunes, search for TechLab and subscribe. Leave a five-star review so others can find the podcast easier and spread the word. We like interactions, so if you have any questions or suggestions, find us on Twitter, LinkedIn or mail techlab at ball.com. Hope to meet you in our next episode. Have fun! <laughs>